Hello and welcome to this, the latest edition of RPO Extra, the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra podcast. RPO Extra is an occasional podcast bringing you news of the orchestra, details of forthcoming events, concerts and recordings, interviews with the team and soloist performers, as well as music from one of the most popular orchestras in the world. In this, the second podcast in our series, we take a look at the life and times of Tchaikovsky, a composer who often features in the Royal and Philharmonic Orchestra's repertoire. Are the days of the CD numbered? We take a look at new research commissioned by the RPO into the listening habits of orchestral music lovers. So just when and where do Britons like to bring out the Beethoven? And I've been talking to principal cellist Richard Harwood about his career with the RPO and the rigours of life on the road. It's kind of a bit like travelling with a really, really, really elderly relation that doesn't like it too cold, too hot, too humid, too dry, too bumpy, not too many vibrations. And uh, you, you get used to travelling with it on, on the tube, on the bus, on wherever. That's all still to come. Pyotr Ilyich Tchaikovsky was a child of just four when he began composing. By the time of his death in 1893, at the age of just 53, he had cemented a reputation as one of the most popular Russian composers of all time. According to the writer Mason Curry, in his book Daily Rituals, How Great Minds Make Time, Find Inspiration and Get to Work, Tchaikovsky, in common with Beethoven and Mahler, believed he had to take a walk of exactly two hours a day and that if he returned even a few minutes early, great misfortunes would befall him. True or not, here are some other stories about the man and his music. While Tchaikovsky was writing Symphony No. 5, he sketched a scenario for its first movement in his notebook, which read, A complete resignation before fate, which is the same as the inscrutable predestination of fate. Tchaikovsky was a big fan of Shakespeare, and he wrote many pieces of music inspired by Shakespeare's plays, including The Tempest, Hamlet, and Romeo and Juliet. The opera Eugene Onegin is about a selfish hero who lives to regret his rejection of a young woman's love. Whilst composing the piece, Tchaikovsky received a letter from a 28-year-old former pupil. Antonina Milyokova wrote, I won't be able to forget you or stop loving you. I don't want to look at any man but you. It's not the love of a moment, but a feeling that has been growing for a long time. I simply cannot and will not destroy this feeling now. Tchaikovsky replied, telling her that he could never love her. However, just a month later, he did marry Antonina. Things didn't go well, though, and only six weeks later, they separated. Mm -hmm. 
quite the character. What went through his mind on those two-hour walks, I wonder? Next on RPO Extra, let's turn to something of the here and now. In our last podcast, we talked about the recent YouGov report commissioned by the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. It looked into the nation's love of orchestral music and how it consumes it in either live or recorded form. The orchestra has been looking at this in more detail, comparing listening habits across the country, and the results are fascinating. The study found that more than a fifth of people in the east of England download from iTunes. CDs are still king in the northeast, though. The southeast is one of the best-behaved areas, with only 2% using pirate websites to obtain music, and proportionately, Londoners attend the most live concerts. But what of musical professionals? I interviewed guest conductor Nick Davies in front of a live audience before a recent RPO concert, and I asked him for his view. So is it compact disc or live concert for him? The reason I always want to come and listen to a concert is purely the fact that it is live. It is happening at that moment, and it is also then visual. You get to see what the orchestra is doing. People often come to see a film concert, so it's a different audience, but that audience will then be encouraged to come back and listen to a Brahms symphony or, or whatever, purely because of the fact they've heard this wonderful symphonic sound. Whatever system you have at home, it will definitely sound better here than it does at home. That's Nick Davies. But what about the RPO's managing director, James Williams? People these days uh, particularly are listening to music on the go. And again, this report showed that you know, orchestral music is, is a core part of people's daily life, whether that's what they listen to on their iPod when they're on the way to work or what they're listening to on their drive home back from work. The sense that somehow orchestral music is a sort of rarity that needs to be listened to in a particular environment simply isn't, isn't the case. And actually, it is it's far more prevalent than we might uh, at first imagine. James Williams. So when it comes to listening to your favourite orchestra, what's your preference? On the RPO Extra podcast, we like to talk to people who actually make the music that you hear. One of them is the principal cellist, Richard Harwood. A few weeks ago, I talked to Richard between rehearsal and performance at Northampton's Royal and Durngate Theatre, and I asked him about life both on and off stage. I started, as, as with most kids, very young. I started with the piano. I have um, an older brother, and uh, he started the piano, and being the younger brother, I wanted to do exactly what he uh, was doing. And um, I think we heard the violin... Uh, somewhere and wanted to learn the violin and uh, my mum phoned up the local violin teacher and he was booked up 
um, for a long time, had no vacancies, had no space. And as she put the phone down, um, she heard this noise coming out of the receiver and she, she put it back to her ear. And it was this guy who was sort of saying, no, wait, 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 wait. My sister teaches the cello and she's been sort of off on a sabbatical for a while and she, you know, she's back teaching. And would your kids like to learn the cello instead? And the deal breaker was that she had a cello for my, um, my brother to borrow. Um, and that's how I started playing the, the, the cello. And if he hadn't have said that, probably we would have found another violin teacher and I would have learned the violin. Tell me about your instrument. I've read that it's a Ruggieri you've got? Yeah, Francesco Ruggieri, um, um, made in Cremona, so the same, same city, town as, as um, Stradivarius. Around the same time, I mean, they probably would have known each other and been having the odd drink together. It was made in, nine, uh, in 1692, and I've been playing it for quite a long time, since I was uh, about 14 years of age. And... Um, very fortunate that certain people came forward and, and, and bought the instrument as, as a sort of consortium, as an investment, but continued to allow me to, to use it. And it's, it's passed through a couple of different owners um, since then, but I'm still very lucky to be holding on to it and, 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 and playing it for now. Do you have to buy extra seats for it on aircraft to, to, yeah. to travel with you and, and to take care of it? You do, yeah. On the, on the plane, uh, it, it always has an extra seat, so it takes... For the safety, it takes, actually takes the window seat, so it gets the best view. Um, doesn't get a free meal anymore. Um, it's a bit like travelling with a really, really, really elderly relation that doesn't like it too cold, too hot, too humid, too dry, too bumpy, not too many vibrations. Um, and uh, you, you get used to travelling um, tra- travelling with it on, on the tube, on the bus, on wherever. Is playing with the RPO a tick box on the CV from which you ultimately will move on? I don't see it like that at all, actually. Um, I've been really fortunate to have an exciting time as a soloist, as a chamber musician, and it's a, it's a you know, fantastic um, experience to play in orchestras, and, and it's, it's a wonderful place to be, so I, I don't see it as, as a sort of stepping stone or anything like that. I'm very happy where I am, and, and you know, just take each day as it comes and see what happens. That's cellist Richard Harwood. You can expect to hear more from RPO Music Makers in future editions of RPO Extra. That's all for this edition of RPO Extra, the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra podcast. But for lots more about the work of the orchestra, just go to the website www.rpo.co.uk. Until next time, thanks for listening.